1: and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Sermon Sunday on the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Well, folks, I hope you're having a blessed Palm Sunday. I hope you made it to church this morning, and I hope that your preacher brought you a message from the Word of God and not a message from his own opinion. Happens all too frequently these days, folks. And I hope that when you left church, you left with a renewed love for the Holy Word of God and a fresh burden for the lost and dying of this world. Folks, today on our Sermon Sunday broadcast, we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the cult of an ass and the significance of that event to you and me. But before we get into today's sermon, I'm going to ask you to do just two things for me. First of all, would you please visit our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and then when when you get over there, head over to our contact section, and why don't you send us off a message? You can send us whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have, and you can also send over your prayer requests. But, folks, if you don't like to use the web form, hey, that's fine. You could always email me directly at info at sword of the That's info at sword of the Now, also, while you're on the website, would you please look for the support this podcast button? And when you find it, would you please consider supporting us with a small monthly contribution? You can set it up for ninety nine cents. 499 or 999 a month. Now I know a recurring contribution might be a little hard right now for everybody, but uh, if you could make a one-time contribution, that would be great also and you can do that by clicking on the Way Giver button or by scanning the cash app QR code, which is also on our website. But folks, no matter how you go about it, I want you to pray about it first. And if the Lord leads you to do so, and uh, uh, if these podcasts and these live broadcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, if or if you'd like to be an active part of this ministry, your contribution will go a very long way, and I would be so very thankful for it. Now, of course, first and foremost, before we get into anything else today, I want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, for saving me, for rescuing my soul from an eternity in a burning Hell, forever separated from the love of God, from the light of God, and from the presence of God. It's it was the most important decision that I've ever made in my life, and the I I mean I had heard the gospel message time and time again over the course of my life, and uh, you know I had family members that uh, that were uh, preachers. Um, that went to Bible school, that went to seminary. Uh, I've heard the gospel message. I was exposed to it most of my life, but it never got through my thick Sicilian head until one night when I was driving to work. I put on a Christian radio station that a, a coworker of mine had told me about, and I heard a gospel message being preached on hell and who's going there. And like I've told you before, folks, it literally scared the hell out of me. It just seemed like that at the end of every sentence, the Holy Spirit was nudging me with, Hey, you got that, Joe? Joe, I'm talking to you. This is important, Joe. Pay attention. And it scared me. It literally scared me. And uh, I wrote down that phone number for that uh, radio program. It was a call-in show. And uh, I chickened out, I didn't call, but I found out the, uh, the name of the church where that, uh, that was sponsoring that show, and the, the pastor of that church was the host of that show, and I called, and uh, we met in Lower Manhattan, and he led me to the Lord Jesus Christ just a couple of days after that. And that was July 20th of 2000, and it's been 23 years since I've been saved, and it's been the most incredible experience you could possibly imagine. Now, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my failings. I've had my, uh, my disappointments, absolutely. But I was never disappointed in my Savior. I was disappointed in myself. I was disappointed for my lack of faith, my lack of discipline, my, uh, my lack of trust. And, but through all of that, the Lord was more and more faithful. He would let me wander out just a little bit, and then he would reel me back in. And I am so thankful for it. And you, too, could have that same experience. You, too, could know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. All you need to do is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that was spilled on Calvary's cross just a few days from today back in the Bible days. Today is Palm Sunday. Next week is Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. And on that Wednesday afternoon, when the Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross between heaven and earth, and he shed his precious blood for you, you can claim that free gift that was provided for you by that act. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. That's all you need to do. It's not your church membership. It's not your baptism. It's not what you give. It's not anything that you do. It's not praying to saints or praying to Mary or going to a particular church. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is ask him. All you have to do is say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I'm on my way to hell. And I ask you, Lord, to please wash me clean with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and save me. That's all you need to do. So why don't you do that today? Do it today while it's time. Don't wait. Don't wait because coming very soon is going to be the rapture of the church. And when the church gets raptured out... And this is something that we had talked about on, uh, on our Thursday night Bible study when we were talking about uh, the opening of the seals, and we were talking about how when the church gets raptured out, the dispensation changes. Right now, this is the dispensation of grace. For by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But when the church is taken out, a new dispensation starts, and the way of salvation changes. It goes from simply believing in faith to believing in faith and works. And if you want to know more about that, I would suggest you go back and listen to our Bible studies on the book of Revelation. We've covered it extensively. I also want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ for allowing me to have this opportunity in this ministry to serve him in this way. What a blessing it is for me. And uh, and I certainly hope it's been a blessing for you. And uh, it's something that uh, if the Lord wasn't in it, I wouldn't be doing this, for a fact. I've tried to do this podcast uh, three other times before this one, and it never went anywhere because it wasn't his timing. He allowed this one more opportunity here for me. And this time he's been blessing it. Our listenership is up. It's been a, a tremendous experience for me. Uh, I came into this not thinking we would get past 10 episodes, but here we are. Episode coming up is what? 82? Uh, 82. 82 episodes in. And the Lord has continued to bless us. And I am so very, very thankful for it because it's in His time, not my timing. So I want to say thank you to the Lord for that. I also want to say thank you to all of you who support us prayerfully. God bless you for your prayers. Thank you so very much for your support. I really do uh, look forward to getting your your notes, your emails. Uh, It's such an encouragement to me to know that you guys are praying for not only uh, my family, but for this ministry and for me. And it's, uh, it really and truly is uh, a blessing for me. So thank you so much for your prayers. I also want to say thank you to all of you who, who are, are already supporting us financially. God bless you for your financial support. Thank you so very much for it. Uh, without your support... Uh, we wouldn't be able to uh, do some of the things that we've been doing as far as getting material together and literature and keeping uh, us up on some of the platforms that we're on that require monthly payments. Uh, It's been a real blessing uh, to be able to send, uh, because of your financial support, uh, some contributions to the missionaries that we mention each month. Uh, So thank you so very, very much for that, and God bless you for it. I also want to say thank you of course to every single one of you who listen in faithfully to everything that we put out there God bless you please keep please keep doing it please continue to share uh, the podcast with your friends your family your followers uh, it's it's really just it's been such an amazing experience and thank you so very much for listening and and your your plays your downloads you sharing it has kept us. Uh, within the search algorithms. It, it's it's kept us on the charts on, on my favorite app, Good Pods, and it's been a real, real blessing for me, and uh, again, I hope a blessing for you. So, uh, folks, wherever you're listening to us, though, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers, and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, folks, now how about with some announcements? All right, folks, just want to remind you of our Thursday night Bible study. Every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, we have been going through the Book of Revelation. Uh, last Thursday night, we completed uh, Revelation chapter six, where we've gotten through six of the seven seals. Uh, this coming Thursday, Lord willing, we'll be getting into Revelation chapter seven, which is uh, a parenthetical chapter, which basically means that uh, that the Lord uh, interrupted uh, the, the the two se- the last the sixth seal and the seventh seal, to give us some some uh, specific information in Revelation chapter 7 before it continues on with the, uh, the final seal. So uh, that'll be this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We look forward to seeing you there. Now, folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church— Why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study meets at 7 p.m. For more information, all you need to do is head over to the church's Facebook page. And when you get to Facebook, just Search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass, and once you get there, you're going to find a lot of really helpful information, and you'll also find episodes of this podcast, which we are, of course, thankful to the folks at First Baptist Church uh, uh, for allowing us to post our show on the church's Facebook page. We're not an official ministry of the church. I'm not an officer of the church. Um, I'm just a regular member there. And I, uh, I've been doing this. this. This is the ministry the Lord gave me, and I am so thankful to the folks at First Baptist again for allowing us to use the church's Facebook page, since I don't have one, and also for the support and encouragement from my pastor and my friend, uh, John Monk. So uh, thank you again to the folks over at First Baptist Church. Now, if you are interested in prepping, I would like to introduce you to the Contra Radio Network. The Contra Radio Network is a single podcast housing nearly a dozen talented podcast and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country who release content daily. The Contra Radio Network podcast releases 15 to 20 shows per week, depending on current events, and no issues are off limits to any of these patriots. You want to break down the current events? We got it. You want to know more about preparedness and self sufficiency? Got that, too. You want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic? Well, for some reason, we have that. You want to hear about politics, Bible studies, sports, camping, firearms, and more? The Contra Radio Network has it all covered in spades. You can find the Contra Radio Network on all of your major podcasting platforms and also by visiting www.crn.best. That's www. CRN dot best. All right, folks, uh, don't forget to head over to our website, Sword of the dot com, and look for our programming announcements subscription. Uh, there's a web There's a web form on our homepage. Just fill out the web form and get yourself on our programming announcements uh, mailing list. And all we're doing with that is when there's any kind of a change to the program or the broadcast, uh, or if it's, it's a time change, or if we have a guest, or if we have a cancellation, uh, we're going to send out an email to let you guys know about it. You know, there's a lot of time in between our, our live shows, and so that's the best way for us to uh, keep everybody informed as to what's been going on. So uh, just head over to our website, com. look for the programming announcements, subscription box, at, fill it out, get on the mailing list, and stay in the know. All right, uh, last announcement. Uh, Head over also while you're on the the website to the Sword Swag section. And when you get over there, you're going to find some really, really nice stuff. We have our wonderful ceramic Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs, which I have right here in my hand. Mm. That's really good. And uh, in case you're wondering what the slurp was, well, we have a little tradition here. When I talk about the coffee mug, I got to slurp it to let you know that I'm actually using it. And uh, today's uh, today's beverage is a Starbucks iced coffee with some sweet cream creamer. Not bad. I don't usually like the the flavored stuff, but uh, this isn't bad at all. So you can get your Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mug for a twenty-five dollar contribution, and you can also get one of these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast T-shirts in the men's and women's styles uh, for a thirty-five dollar contribution. All you need to do is just click that info button on our uh, on the website and uh, let us know what it is that you like, and we will send you the link back with uh, the. Uh, the link for the contribution, and then we'll get that sent out to you as quickly as possible. All right, folks. Well, can't believe it, but we are already at that point where we're ready for our first break of the afternoon, and uh, we're going to take that right now. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers, and when we come back, we'll get into our prayer list so that So don't go away.
0: (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening.
2: strong.
1: Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and uh, I can honestly say I am looking forward to the day when I hear those words, welcome home, your struggle's over. And I hope that you are too. I hope that you are too, and I hope that you can actually say that. I hope that you are saved today, and you can actually say those words, that that's your hope. That's a wonderful hope. It really is. Well, folks, uh, we're coming up to our section of uh, uh, for prayer requests. And as usual, we always start off with the folks that are in need of salvation, so their prayer requests. And um, then we go down our sick list and then so on as we go. Now, first, we're going to pray for um, those that are in need of salvation. So we're praying for my mom, Diane, my sister, Laura. We're praying for David. We're praying for all of the unsaved members of the Baldino family. We're praying for a woman named Jackie. We're praying for a young man's mom. Uh, his name is Manuel. His mom is. Uh, he's asked for prayer for his mom for salvation. And we're also praying for Sharon for salvation. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for the gift of salvation that you have given us. Lord, this week is known as Passion Week to very many people. And, Lord, it is uh, the day that... Uh, that uh, you rode into the city of Jerusalem on the colt of an ass, and, uh, Lord, they strewn the, uh, the branches before you as you were coming in, and then, Lord, just a few days later, they were screaming for crucifixion. And, Lord, we thank you that that sacrifice was made for us on our behalf, because, Father God, we know that in and of ourselves we can't do anything to get ourselves saved. We can't do anything to get ourselves a place in heaven. Lord, we have to put our full faith, trust, and confidence in what you did for us. In shedding your precious blood, God manifest in the flesh, shedding his perfect, sinless blood. So, Heavenly Father, we want to pray for Diane. Lord, we want to pray for Laura. We're praying for David. We're praying for all of the unsaved members of the Baldino family. We're praying for Jackie. We're praying for Manuel's mother. And we're praying for Sharon today specifically. But we're also praying for anyone that is listening to this broadcast today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, we pray that today would be the day that they would come to that knowledge. Lord, we pray that you would use this broadcast in some way, whether it's planting the seed or maybe, Lord, even reaping a harvest from it. We pray for them, Father. We pray that they would be saved. And we'll ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, uh, we are praying for uh, Danny. Danny's a six-year-old young man who uh, was involved in a vehicle accident, and there's a possibility he may have to have one of his arms amputated. So we're praying to the Lord that uh, that, that wouldn't be the case. We're praying for healing, and uh, we're praying for uh, wise decisions on, beho- on, on the part of the family and, of course, on, be- on behalf of the uh, surgeons and the doctors that are involved. Uh, Nicole has asked for prayer for her grandmother uh, in dialysis with a kidney issue. We're praying for Pastor Martin. Uh, Pastor Martin uh, has a heart condition, he has extremely poor vision, and uh, we're praying for his continued strength as he, even at 89 years old and uh, retired from from ministry, he still goes out and street preaches once a week. He's still reading his Bible, 10 chapters a day, so we, we're going to continue to pray for Pastor Martin. We're also praying for uh, for Hezekiah. Uh, Hezekiah had his biopsy uh, this past week, and it, uh, it looks like he's going to need several procedures uh, to remove... Uh, what, what they need to remove and, and to do the, to do the uh, repairs uh, to the area that, that they're going to be removing this uh, growth from. So uh, we're going to continue to pray for Hezekiah. We're praying for Mary Perez uh, f- who is struggling with cancer. We're praying for my mom uh, while she's recovering in a rehab in, uh, in New York and uh, for her recovery from COVID. We're thankful that that, that has already come and gone and uh, I know we're all looking forward to her being able to get back home. We're praying for my sister, Laura, uh, with a slip disc. We're praying for uh, Sister Bernice, who has been struggling with cancer for some time now and is undergoing some new treatments. And we're praying that the Lord would, would bring healing and uh, would use these new treatments uh, effectively. We're also praying for Bernice's mom. Uh, she is also has cancer, and uh, she is waiting for uh, some medications to come through for her. We're praying for uh, Janae with a heart condition. We're praying for Furman, who also has cancer. We're praying for Sharon Baldino, who has cancer as w- also. Uh, Martin Mata, who has lymphoma. And Daniel Villarreal with leukemia. So those are the folks that are on our sick list. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, Father, for the ability to come before the throne of grace on behalf of these folks on our sick list. Father, we want to pray for each one of them, Lord. We lift them each up to you. We're praying for Daniel uh, with leukemia. We're praying for Martin with lymphoma. Sharon and struggling with cancer. Furman also with cancer. Bernice, his mother, with cancer. Bernice with cancer. Janae uh, with a heart condition. Uh, Mary Perez with cancer. Uh, Hezekiah uh, for these procedures that he'll be going through shortly. Uh, for my mom in recovering uh, from COVID and for the other issues that she is in the rehab center for. Uh, for my sister, Laura, with a slipped disc in her back. Uh, for Nicole's grandmother uh, in dialysis. Uh, this young man, Danny, as well, uh, with uh, from, the, from this vehicle accident with the possibility of having to lose his arm. Lord, we just lift them all up to you individually, one by one, and we ask you, Father, that you would touch each one, that you would bring healing, Lord, that you would uh, you would uh, give out that measure of grace that each one needs to, uh, to handle the, the stress and the strain of the conditions that they find themselves in, and Father, we pray that they would always, always turn to you first and foremost before anything else, and Father, we thank you so much for all the love and the mercy you've shown them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, going on down our list here, we were still praying for my brother-in-law Jude and for his business. Uh, he's back from his uh, travels abroad, so which is good. And so if you have any, uh, if you have any, any work that needs to get done around your property, uh, you can always reach out to me if you're in the New York area, and I will make sure that we get that information over to uh, Jude. so uh, perhaps he can do some work for you. Does really good work, and I'm not just saying that because he's my brother-in-law. I'm saying that because he does, and uh, uh, I'm sure that he'd he'd be able to do something great for you if uh, you find yourself in the need. We're also praying for uh, a good brother in Christ, Federico Salinas. We're praying for Angel and her pregnancy. We're praying for uh, her husband Alex for uh, his current employment. We're praying for uh, Isabella for her walk with the Lord, Jessica for her walk with the Lord. We're praying for Alex Herrera. For his walk with the Lord, uh, a hedge of protection about him, and for the Lord's blessing as uh, he returns to work. We're praying for his father, Furman. Uh, Brother Alex has asked uh, specifically that the Lord would allow him to survive uh, this cancer uh, up, up to the rapture, so he could be raptured and not have to experience physical death. And uh, we're also praying for, uh, for Hector, Melina, and Hezekiah, uh, they had, uh, Melina had some good results from uh, her tests up in up in, uh, San Antonio and we're thankful for that. And we're going to continue to pray for them as they're dealing with this issue with, uh, with Hezekiah. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for answered prayer. Lord, we just lift up all of those on our general prayer list. Father, we just pray for each one of them. We pray that you would touch each one, that you would be a blessing to each one. Lord, that you would meet each need that they have and Lord, that you would receive the honor and the glory for it, and we will thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, and that brings us to our unspoken prayer section, and uh, the unspoken prayer lists, uh, you know, these are these are uh, needs that uh, perhaps we can't find the right words to express the need, or maybe it's something that's just too personal for the details to go out, but What's more important is that the Lord knows exactly what the need is, and the Lord has the ability to answer according to those needs. So we're lifting up Eduardo Rodriguez, Larissa, Hector, Manuel, Angela, and myself for our particular prayer needs. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for for hearing the unspoken prayers of our hearts. Lord, we just lift them to you. We ask you, Father God, that you would answer those prayers according to your perfect will for us, for those on the list, according to your will, and that you would receive the honor and the glory that is due. And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, if you have any prayer requests whatsoever, uh, you could always email them to me by going over to our website, com. You could uh, use the web form, or you can email them to me directly by using info at com. And uh, I keep forgetting to do this. If you are uh, logged in to Spreaker, like you have a, an active Spreaker account, uh, you can always jump into our chat room, say hello, and any prayer requests, questions, or comments that you have, you could always leave them right there, and we will get to those as quickly as we possibly can. All right, uh, so we don't have any missionaries uh, to talk about today. We'll be doing that next Sunday, so the second Sunday of every month, we'll be talking about our missionaries. Uh, no listener questions. However, we do have uh, four birthdays to mention, and uh so we're going to say happy birthday to Nicole, to Francis, to Abraham, and Hector. So on behalf of the Sword of the Spirit podcast and the Sword of the Spirit podcast family, to Nicole, Francis, Abraham, and Hector, we wish you a very, very happy birthday, and God bless you.
2: It's your birthday. It's the that you are It's the day your mother brought you home
1: Amen, and happy birthday once again to to uh, to Nicole, to Francis, Abraham, and Hector. God bless you. Happy birthday on behalf of the Sword of the Spirit podcast and the Sword of the Spirit podcast family. All right, now we're going to take our uh, second break of the afternoon, and that will give you a chance to go get your King James Bible. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or maybe a bottle of water, and when we come back, We're going to be getting into today's sermon, Jesus and the Ass. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We'll be right back after this. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers.
3: So loving, so good
1: Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and would you take your Bible and head over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Luke, chapter 19. And with that, episode number 82 is underway. Luke, chapter 19, and we'll begin in verse 29. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do ye loose him?, thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way. And found even as he said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Let's pray. Our blessed and gracious Heavenly Father, it's with great joy that we anticipate something that's being forecast in the text that we just read. Lord, it's with wonderful anticipation that we look forward to the day when Jesus will return. This is a pictorial presentation of that glorious day, and I pray that you would help us to examine all that is in the text, and it will extract it with the help of your Holy Spirit, and apply it to our own personal hearts and lives according to the needs that are here and represented by all of those that are listening to us today. God, your scripture is a wonderful book, and it can be even entertaining, and it's always interesting, but it's difficult for us to discern the depth of it and the real doctrine of it. In fact, Lord, it's impossible unless you give us the ability because of its divine origin, and consequently we need divine intercession on our behalf. We pray for that, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful, precious, and lovely name. Amen. Now this is known to some as Passion Week, Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. Now, some of the things that you hear and you read about during Passion Week are Bible-oriented, and then there are some of them that are man-made. You have to differentiate between the two. You know, what came from the Bible, what came from man's, trad- man's tradition. Now, it's Bible in what we call Palm Sunday, and again, that's today. And Palm Sunday revolves around this particular passage that we just read. These events took place just about one week prior to Resurrection Sunday, or Easter Sunday. Personally, I prefer Resurrection Sunday. And what they mirror is both the first and second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have both of those comings mirrored and pictorially portrayed in the text. We'll examine that, and we're going to see if God will help us to unfold it and help us to understand how that whole thing works. You see, Jesus has come once, But the rest of the story is, is that he's coming again. And that's also demonstrated in the text. So let's examine that today. The first thing that we're going to observe in the story is that Jesus sent two of his disciples in verse 29. And that deserves some comment. Two of his disciples. The two disciples are a picture of the second advent of Jesus Christ when he returns again. Two is a very important number. You know, numbers in the Bible always have a great significance. It was two that brought Israel up out of Egypt. It was Aaron and Moses. It was two spies out of the town of Jericho in the Old Testament. Two are faithful spies for the promised land, two out of twelve. Two of them are faithful. Do you know who they are? Joshua and Caleb. Two spy out the Midianites under Gideon. Two spy for David while on the flight from Saul. Two witnesses show up in Revelation chapter 11 prior to the second advent of Jesus Christ. So it's really, it's really no coincidence or accident that Jesus sent out two of his disciples. Now, he could have sent out any number he wanted. He could have sent out one. He could, could have sent out five. He could have, could have sent out seven. But he didn't. He sent two. Because the whole thing The whole thing is preparatory in its vision to help us understand that the number two keeps popping up prior to a great event. And the next great event on the calendar of humanity is not anything that the United Nations would have anything to do with. It's not anything that the politicians of the world are going are to be able to contrive or, or imagine. It has nothing to do with man's concept of the great society. It has nothing to do with political correctness as esteemed by the leaders of the world. It has nothing to do with the educational intelligentsia and whatever they concoct. It has everything to do with what God says is the next big thing on the calendar. So it's really no coincidence that Jesus sends two. The next thing that we learn in the text that I think is of great significance is that Jesus commissions them to go into a village. Over against you, in the which at your entering, you shall find a colt tied. Now, Matthew chapter 21, we're not going to turn there, uh, but you do need to read all of the gospel accounts as you develop this thing and, and you get what, what all of the gospel writers had to say about it. Matthew tells us just a little bit more. he embellishes the picture and he says that it was the it was a uh, cult of an ass. So in other words, it wasn 't a horse 's colt. it was a young donkey. it was the cult of an ass. That is powerful. And there are several reasons why, which we're about to explore, but let me introduce that by saying this. When Jesus returns the next time, it'll be on a horse. And I'm sorry if this offends you, but it's Bible talk. It's Bible talk. When Jesus returns the next time, it'll be on a horse. He won't come back the second time on a jackass. He comes back on a fire-breathing horse. And folks, I cannot wait to see that horse. But let's study this cult of an ass a little bit. Take your Bibles and look with me over in Job chapter 11. Let's go to the book of Job. Job chapter 11. So there's there's something here. Because I told you that Palm Sunday pictures the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the first coming is clearly demonstrated on that unbroke foal of an ass that he rode. Let's get the whole sequence of the thing here, okay? Uh, Job chapter 11 and verse 12. Job chapter 11, verse 12. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. So do you see what the Lord's showing us here? The Lord is showing us that an unsaved man, that's a vain man, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Isn't that what Solomon said? The unsaved, the unconverted, the unregenerated, those that have never trusted Christ, those that had never been born again in the Bible are compared to a wild ass's cult. Now that's the very thing that Jesus wrote into Jerusalem on on that palm Sunday. What's the further significance of this? Well, let's go over to Exodus, chapter 13. Exodus, chapter 13. There's nothing like a Bible to clear things up, right? Exodus, chapter 13, and interestingly, in verse 13. And every firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. It's a fascinating passage. It really is the fascinating passage. But do you see the teaching here? God says this. He says, all right, you have a female donkey, and she has a colt. And you have one of two choices as far as the colt's concerned. You have to either redeem it so that it can retain its life, and if it retains its life, it's going to cost you the life of a lamb. So the lamb must be slain if the colt of the ass is going to be saved. And if the cult of the ass is not saved, then they were given instructions to break the neck of the colt, and it died. Then the Lord put this little addendum on the verse. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. In other words, this is a picture of a far greater thing, and that is that men need to be redeemed also. And that makes perfect sense when you remember what Job said, that the foal of a wild ass is like a man. All right, let's get a little more information on this. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, and let's go over to verse... 22. Deuteronomy 21, verse 22. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, The so called talent of the hangman was to adjust the knot of the hangman's loose of the hangman's noose in exactly the right position so that when the doors of the gallows dropped open, the recipient of the hanging dropped through and it broke his neck. So it was it was deemed a humane execution. And he didn't just hang there and strangle to death, it broke his neck. All right, now the first of the donkey, the instructions were you break its neck, or redeem it with a lamb. And of course, all the old hangings usually happened on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree. They hung Jesus Christ on a tree, and they took him down before the night was over. And he fulfilled the redeeming lamb and suffered, as it were, the broken neck on behalf of you and me. So the whole thing is prophetic. It's forecasting. It pictures a far greater thing to happen. Otherwise, it would make no sense. Why does the Lord come along and say, I'll tell you what, we have all these critters out here, but the Lord said, here's what you got to do. You've got to redeem the firstborn of a giraffe. He never said that. He never said you had to redeem the firstborn of a horse. He never said you had to redeem the firstborn of a pig or a cow or even a lamb. He said you have to redeem the firstborn of that ass. Now, why did he say that? Because the Lord knew that way down the road, he had one of the greatest events in all of history planned and he knew that one day the Lord Jesus Christ was going to ride into Jerusalem on that cult of an ass, and that would be demonstrative of the first advent of Jesus Christ and his suffering and his humility. You know, I find nothing particularly pride-enhancing about riding a donkey, you know, a a scrubby little, little donkey. I mean, John Wayne wouldn't do it, right? But the Lord did it. And do you know why he did it? because the first time he came in his humility he came and made himself of no reputation philippians chapter 2 now if you're going to ride a donkey you're not going to have much of a reputation and the lord purposely did it that way he he came clothed in nothing but his humility He made himself of no reputation in his scholarship. He made himself of no reputation in his birthplace. He made himself of no reputation in his education. He made himself of no reputation in his genealogy. He made himself of no reputation in his activity. He made himself of no reputation. And there was no reputation except one of degradation and humility and despicability in his death. He made himself of no reputation. The Lord rode a donkey, and now we see why. But that's not all. I see in the text that the colt was tied up. The colt was tied up. The Lord sent two of his disciples, and he said, "You'll see a foal. you'll, You'll see a foal tied up over there." All right, let's examine that a little bit. Take your Bible and turn over to Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. So, what have we learned so far? So far, we've learned that this cult is the picture of an unregenerate human heart, the unsaved individual, and the Lord said he'll be tied up. He's unbroke, and he'll be tied up. All right? Now, one of the first things you've got to do when you train a horse is to teach them how to respect the rope. Now, I watched some YouTube videos on this. This is how I know. (laughs) Okay? I don't know much about horses, but you know, YouTube is a great thing for that. Uh, so one of the first things you got to do when you train a horse is you have to teach them how to respect the rope. They have to learn how to be tied up. They have to get used to it. Now the Lord said it was tied up. Now I want you to understand that in the context of what we're discussing in Romans chapter six, okay? Romans chapter six and verse sixteen. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. All right. Now the Lord says this. He says, "Here's here's a colt that's tied up, and that's a picture of the unsaved human heart." God comes along and he says. I'm going to commission my disciples, and they're going to come along and untie that thing. Now, that cult has figured out, if he's been tied up for any length of time, just like every human being on the planet has figured out, that once they're tied to sin, and they've fallen into the degradation of sin, that they're tied to it. And no matter what they do, no matter how much religion they try to exercise in their life, no matter how many times they try to turn over a new leaf, if they're honest in their hearts, they know they are tied to sin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So you might say, well, I've, I've just lived beyond sin. Oh yeah? Quit it. Quit it. I challenge you. Go for one week, just one week, and never one time commit the sin of covetousness. It is on the list, isn't it? I mean, go one week without any desire for one thing that isn't yours. You say, well, I can do that. I've got everything I want. i got a brand new coffee pot, a brand new car, a brand new bed. I can do that. No, you can't. You can't go one week without saying, I wish I didn't have an aching back. You can't go one week without saying, I wish my feet didn't hurt. You can't go one week without saying, I'm hungry, you covetous rascal, you. Amen? You see what I'm saying? The human being in his depraved condition is tied to sin. Tied up tighter than any horse has ever been tied. After a while, mankind just learns to passively stand at the hitching post and say, I'm tied up. I can't get away unless someone else looses me. And only Jesus Christ has the ability. Only Jesus Christ has the power. Only Jesus Christ has the authority to do that. Only he can do that. Church can't do it. Religion can't do it. A priest, a preacher can't do it. Only God himself can do that. So he's tied up. There's no hope of ever being untied unless somebody intervenes on his behalf. Now, some people just get used to being tied, like some horses. I mean, you've never seen a horse that doesn't enjoy life a lot more than when he's not tied up. You know, some people have been tied up for so long, they wouldn't have a clue as to what it would be like to be untied. You know, they may actually enjoy it. They may find out that there's real life and liberty in Jesus Christ. But that's not all. In our text, the Lord says, someone may say something to you. They may oppose you. Someone may say, hey, what are you doing? That doesn't belong to you. Anytime you get into the business of trying to untie men from the hitching rail of sin, there's always going to be someone who's going to raise a voice of opposition always every single time look with me over in second timothy chapter 2 second timothy chapter 2 and you know and they all have these uh, these these subtle kind of approaches to their opposition so so you say look i'm not trying to convert this guy to be a baptist i'm just trying to tell him how to get free from sin that's all i have my religion but that's not the point that's not the issue i'm just trying to tell you how to get out from under the bondage of sin I lead a good life. I know, but I'm, but I'm just trying to tell you how to get free. Yes, but I've been baptized. Well, I understand that, but I'm just I I'd just like to be able to walk I'd just like you to be able to walk around in a nice sunny afternoon and enjoy the pasture. You know, you meet all kinds of opposition. All kinds. Now in Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty-five, in meekness. Instructing those, and this is a fascinating phrase right here in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You see, the greatest opposition when you're trying to untie the cults that are all tied up to the hitching post of sin, the greatest opposition is themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Well, then I see something else in the text, and I think this is great. This is great. And to me, uh, this is one of the most exhilarating parts of the whole story. The Lord said, okay, now you two fellows, you go over to the next village, you go over there and you're going to find a colt tied up. You untie him and bring him over here. And if any man opposes you, you say, the Lord hath need of him. Now, I find that kind of far out. Now, remember, the unbroke cult of the ass is a picture of the unsaved, unregenerated human heart. Why does the Lord need him? Why does the Lord need him? The Lord doesn't need him, but he says he does. I have need of him. Look with me over in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. When you understand theologically the omnipresence of God, the omniscience of God, when you understand the omnipotence of God, when you understand the greatness of God, it is absolutely mind-blowing that God would suggest in any way, shape, or form that he needs any of us. God needs me like I need to have a wart on my nose. You with me? But the Lord says... I have need of him. I said, Lord, you need me like I need a set of chapped lips. The Lord says, I have need of him. Man, you've got to be kidding me. It's like the psalmist who said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the Lord says, you tell him that unbroke cult of an ass? I have need of him. Wow. I mean, you've got to be kidding in Acts chapter nine, verse fifteen. But the Lord said unto him, The him here is Ananias, who was absolutely disconcerted at the message that came from the Lord that this guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus was coming to his house. You see, Saul had, had a great reputation for being a persecutor of Christians and of the church. And the Lord said, If ever there was a picture of the unbroken cult of an ass, it's Saul of Tarsus, who will become the Apostle Paul. Here's a wonderful picture of it. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. The Lord hath need of him. Just like he told Ananias that he had a great need of Saul of Tarsus, who of course we know it turns out to be the Apostle Paul and the the author of 13 epistles in your Bible. I mean, what a contribution he made to us, you know, to church-age doctrine. I mean, we would have trouble knowing which way is up or which way is down in this age in which we live if we're not for the contributions of the Apostle Paul. And if there were ever a picture of the unbroken cult, it's Saul. And the Lord says, I've got need of him. You know what that does for me? That says, the Lord says, I have need of you. Folks, if you convince yourself that God can't use you, you didn't get that from God. You didn't get that impression from God. God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the wise. And then that's not all. That's not all. Mark adds, in his dialogue about Palm Sunday, that the cult is tied up by a door. You know, you read all the narratives, you put them together, and then you get all the information. He's tied. But then Mark says, he's tied by a door. And there are no accidents in your Bible. Everything is there for a reason. He's tied by a door. Would you look with me over in John chapter 10? John chapter 10. All right, In John chapter 10 and verse 7, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In other words, this guy is tied up to the hitching post of sin, but the door is right there. And who is the door? I am the door, Jesus said. The door is right there. It's right available. Folks, listen to me. The door is right over there, and the Lord sends somebody to untie you. Choose The right door. Choose the right door. How many game shows have there been on TV over the last 50, 60 years that had to do with picking the right door? You know, you pick the right door, you get a great prize. You know, you pick the wrong door, you get bamboozled. Pick the right door. You must pick the right door. Mark also tells us it's where two ways met. So in other words, it's at the fork of the road. Now, everybody knows what the fork of the road is, all right? There was a new preacher that was called by a local funeral director to hold a graveside service, and he was really excited to do it. It was the first funeral that he ever did. The funeral was going to be at a cemetery way, way out in the country. And, you know, he wasn't familiar with the area, so the funeral director gave him directions. And these were the kind of directions that that you would expect in the country. You know, you know, go right about three miles, turn left at the barn at the at the and then the road will fork about a half a mile after that. And you stay on that road until you pass three gullies, you know, and then he wrote them down as best as he could. And he gave himself plenty of time to find this cemetery. But after driving for a period of time, he he was sure that he was lost. And finally, he saw a farmer on the side of the road. So he stopped for directions. Sure enough, he had gone too far, and the farmer told him that he had to turn around and go back. So now here he is, he's in a panic, you know, realizing that the hour had already passed for the funeral to start. So when he finally got there, uh, he saw the backhoe, he saw two men digging, but the hearse was nowhere in sight. So he jumped out, and he had his Bible in his hand, and he marched over there, and he said to the two workmen, he goes, all right, let's pray. And the workers, you know, they, they stopped, they took off their hats, and they listened to the preacher pray. And then he began to preach. He quoted the 23rd Psalm. He, he quoted First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, a few verses out of First Corinthians 15. And then he began quoting out of, out of John chapter 11, 11, and out of that great resurrection day. And then finally he said, all right, let's pray. And then he took off their hats again, and they listened to him pray. When he finished praying, he closed his Bible, he thanked the men, he turned around, he walked to his car, and he drove away. And as he drove off, one of the workers said to the other, I ain't never seen nothing like that before, and I've been putting in septic tanks for 30 years. There's a fork in the road. The Lord tells us in in, in the book of Mark that it's where two ways met. So in other words, it's a fork in the road. You say, okay, so what's the significance of that? Every time you come to a fork in the road, you've got to make a choice. Either I'm going this way, or I'm going that way. I'm either going to the left, or I'm going to the right. And that choice, that choice may be predicated on former instructions. It may be, be it may be determined by uh, correct information. But how many of you who ever come to a fork in the road and you know you're kind of out there wandering around and you no, know, you make a purely emotional decision. Well, that looks prettier. Let's go that way. And then you went up that road, and you found out it wasn't the way you wanted to go. Do you know what I find incredible about that? You know, the average person today comes to the fork in the road about his spiritual life, and he makes his decision purely on emotion. He doesn't research it. He doesn't have a map. Folks, that Bible is a map. But he doesn't have a map. He doesn't have accurate instructions or directions and he's just out there wandering around through the country of life and then there's a fork in the road and he's, uh, um, uh, I don't know. You know, you need something more than just emotional input for this decision. You need to evaluate it in the light of the road map. You know, how, how many of you have ever traveled down a road and didn't believe the sign? You know, one of my friends had a little house in upstate New York many years ago, and uh, a bunch of us decided that we were going to take a drive up there one weekend, and, you know, we left uh, Brooklyn late in the afternoon, and, you know, by the time we got up there, man, it was dark. (laughs) It was dark, and this place was out in the boonies, you know, and, uh, you know, driving through these mostly dirty roads, uh, dirt roads, no streetlights, you know, we got lost, and, you know, at that time, there were no GPS, there was no cell phones either, you know, and we, we came up to a, a sign on the road that said something like, you know, no access beyond this point, you know, something like that. Uh, but my friend said, hey, well, that's the road we had to get on to get to the house. I said, uh, but the sign says, you know, it, it, it's basically closed. <laughs> he said, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, just go, just go. Now, look, I'm not blaming him because I'm an adult, too, you know, but I said, OK. And, uh, you know, we went down that road for miles and miles and miles. And, and I'm looking at the gas gauge, man. And then I noticed he's looking at the gas gauge. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Yeah, no, it's not fun, right? Well, we're going for miles and miles and miles. And I said, I don't know about this, but, you know, we're going to have to turn around and, and backtrack. We're going to be in some trouble. We're going to run out of gas. And he said, well, it can't be much longer. And then all of a sudden, the road just becomes like a minefield. And we stopped and we looked at each other and he, he looked at me and he goes, oh, man, I was hot. Wrong choice. Made a wrong choice. Jesus Christ in the Bible gives that unbroken cult that's tied to the hitching post of sin standing next to the door a choice. You have to make a choice. You can accept him or reject him. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell on the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Constantly, constantly, God is reminding Israel, as well as the Gentiles, that there is a choice there's a choice. Receiving Jesus Christ is a matter of choice. It's not a matter of evolution. It's a matter of choice. There comes a point of time in your life where you come to that crossroads, and you see that you're tied up to the hitching post of sin, and you're condemned to the consequences of that. But there's a door nearby There's a door nearby. That door is declared to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it's in the fork of the road. And the Lord says, here, make a choice. And if you make the right choice, he says, I'll untie you. Just like that. Just like that. He's brought to Jesus. He's brought to Jesus. Folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We're going to take our last break of the afternoon here, and when we come back, we'll pick it up right here where we left off, Jesus and the Ass. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers, and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
0: the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely.
1: Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and this is our Palm Sunday message. And we are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ's triumphal entry on the foal or the cult of an ass. And uh, we are talking about choices. We say that you have to make the right choice, and when you make the right choice... Jesus Christ, just like that, just that simple, just that easy, will untie you. And then the colt is brought to Jesus. And the next thing that the text tells us is that they brought the colt to Jesus and they put clothes on the colt. Now, I find that fascinating. I really do. I find that fascinating. Why would they do that? Well, you say, well, maybe the Lord needed a saddle. The Lord didn't need a saddle. They put clothes on the cult. You know what that's a picture of? The reclothing of the unbroken, unsaved, unregenerate soul. Now that's confirmed over in Isaiah chapter 61. Take your Bible and go with me over to Isaiah chapter 61. Now in Isaiah chapter 61, and you're going to go over to verse 10, in that verse we read these amazing and these great words. Isaiah 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to notice who's doing the clothing. You're not doing the clothing. The Lord is is doing the clothing. The Lord gave instructions, and they put clothes on the colt. And when you trust Jesus Christ, He clothes you with a robe of righteousness. It's not righteousness that you can manufacture. It's not righteousness that you have any right to declare. It's righteousness that He afforded you and gave you through the propitiation of His death on Calvary's cross. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. And then and then finally the Lord is put in control of him. He doesn't buck. He doesn't hop. He doesn't kick. He doesn't bite. He doesn't fall down. He doesn't do any of that. He just passively walks off like he's been under a saddle for 20 years. Look with me over in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Here's a here's a is there a new, to, a new Testament presentation of that principle? That great truth. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what the cult did. Not a dead sacrifice, but a living one, recognizing now that he'd been redeemed, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That cult reasoned this way. This is reasonable service. I'm carrying the king of kings. It's not very often a jackass gets to carry the king of kings. This one did. And you and I have the same privilege, the same honor, the same thrill. The way is prepared, the Bible says. The the way is prepared. Matthew tells us that they strawed branches in the way. Now you know, uh, they, they strew these palm branches in the way, right? Now in your Bible, in your Bible, all trees have a significance. The Bible indicates that palm trees are a sign of righteousness. And you know, the green bay tree is a picture of the wicked. The oak is a picture of the steadfast. Uh, the palm tree, again, is a picture of the righteous. A fir tree is a picture of fragrance. And you go on and on and on as you go through the Bible. And, uh, you know, it was palm trees because it was the righteous king. But they strawed branches in the way in front of him. It's an indicator of a triumphal entry. Jesus is making a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the greater picture is this. The greater picture is this. One day, Jesus is going to return making a triumphal entry into Jerusalem with millions of broke, willing cults who are nothing but redeemed sinners, having been all redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and, and with, him, with him in perfect control. Right now, you know, the cults aren't in perfect control. You know, we're kind of flopping around, fighting with the rope, you know, kicking, stomping, you know, throwing the head around, you know, fighting the bit of James, you know, but one day, one day God's going to give you as a child of God, an incorruptible body and an incorruptible mind. And the Lord is going to have you in absolute perfect control. And that's so well described over in the book of Joel. There'll be an army one day that will not break. So we have here the first and the second advent of Jesus Christ, a picture of the second advent. That's that's even impossible for the Old Testament prophet to separate between the first and second. You know, as far as the Old Testament prophet was concerned, the first and second advent of Jesus Christ was all one big, uh, you know, composite picture. And the mystery of the separation in between the two was given to the Apostle Paul over in Ephesians chapter three. The Old Testament prophet couldn't understand it. He couldn't appreciate it. He couldn't visualize it until God gave it to Paul, and then Paul said, here's what's going to happen. It's all the same deal, except there's a couple thousand years between the two. The prophecy. The prophecy. Now notice the wording. If you go with me back to our text, uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and we're going to wrap this up. Luke chapter 19 and verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives. So even now at the, at the descent of the Mount of Olives. You know, I kind of got hung up on that. I did. I got hung up on that for a little bit. Notice, I want you to notice that it's the descent of the Mount of Olives. Folks, you don't descend on the Mount of Olives. You come up. To the Mount of Olives. To descend on something, you have to be higher than the thing you're descending on. So, why would the Lord say it that way? And when He was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the Lord's not descending unless He's been there and coming down. But there's a greater picture that's being instilled here for us. Do you know what that is? One day, the Lord is going to descend on the Mount of Olives. Take your Bible, look with me over in Zechariah 14. Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. So one day, the realization of that passage is going to be very, very, very real. Then back in our text in Luke 19, we read that with loud voices they cry unto a king, Hosanna, and so forth. You know, there are times when a loud voice is necessary. There are times when a loud voice is scriptural. And there are times when a loud voice is very important. You know, I know some folks go to church and you know, and and, and others you know, that still engage in real preaching and, and they say, you know, why is that preacher so loud? Let me ask you something. Why do they get so loud at Madison Square Garden? Why do they get so loud when the Rangers play? Stanley Cup bound, by the way. Very excited about that. Why do they get so loud? Because they're excited. They're excited. Now if your religion is so dull and so uneventful and so boring and so tedious that all you want to hear is some squeaky little you know monotone you know these folks are having a good old fashioned bapticostal fit they're shouting they're yelling and they're carrying on because do you know what their reasoning and their mind and their thinking here is? They're not 100% wrong. They're just a little tweaked and twisted because they don't understand the big picture of prophecy. What they're thinking is, this is it. This is finally it. This is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been anticipating. This is what the prophets have promised us. This is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Our king is here. He's demonstrated his aptitude for kingship through all of the miracles and all the wondrous works he's done. And he's now making his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. You know, in no time at all, a revolutionary army is going to gather about him, and we're going to extricate the Romans. We're going to throw them out. We're going to have uh, the reestablishment of the kingdom in it to its glory days. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. That's not what Jesus is thinking. But that's what they're thinking. Because Jesus' first commission was to fulfill his humility. Jesus' first commission was to die in anguish on Calvary and become the redeeming lamb for the, fo- for the foal of the unbroken ass. That's us. That's us. But one day he's coming back. He's coming back. Look with me back one more time over in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 and verse 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. You know, some people will never get excited about Jesus Christ coming as king. That will never be a thrilling prospect to you until you first receive him in his humility as the one who died and bled for you. When you're res- when you're willing to receive him that way, then the very thought of him coming and proclaiming his kingship will be a thrilling prospect for you. I mean, let's face it, folks, like the Pharisees of old. You know, some people would never be excited about Jesus coming as a king because because a king implies control. Does it not? Let me ask you a question if it were announced in every headline uh, across the world tomorrow morning that Jesus Christ had just returned and that he was taking utter control of the United Nations and he now had in place a flying scroll buzzing around the world that was going to zap every wrongdoer, and you'll find that over in the book of Zechariah, if you think I'm kidding, the book of Zechariah, you think all the pornographers around the world would be saying, Hallelujah, Jesus is here. Do you think all the drug dealers would be shouting for glory? You know, a lot of folks aren't excited about Jesus being king. But you know something? Let's get beyond the pornographers. Let's get beyond the drug dealers, and let's talk about us. Let's talk about our hearts. When you sit down tonight to watch TV instead of reading your Bible, I'm sorry, the Lord made me do it. You know, when you flipped on the TV and the announcement came that Jesus just set his feet on the olives and he'll now be monitoring everything that you watch on TV. How excited would you be? How excited would you be? I'd say, you know, I can't win this deal. You know, I'm a news junkie. I like to keep up with what's going on because it's relevant to Bible prophecy. But, you know, sometimes I get convicted about it because the Bible says, you know, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Kingship implies control. But when the Lord's in control, He'll lead you to green pastures and to the still waters. He'll restore your soul. He'll make a way, even in the presence of your enemies, and He'll anoint your soul. Let Him be the Lord. Let Him be King. Have you ever trusted Him in His first advent? Have you, ever, have you ever received him as the redeeming lamb so that you don't have to endure and suffer the curse of the broken neck of eternity? Have you ever said, Lord Jesus, I deserve a broken neck. I deserve to hang on a tree. I deserve the curse of humanity for all of my sin. But you are the lamb of God. You redeem me. I want to trust you and ask you to save me. And once you do that, you'll find that your anticipation for his second advent can grow immensely. One day, you'll get excited about it and you'll want to bust out of yourself. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the preaching of your holy word today. Father, if there is any under the sound of my voice right now that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that is not prepared for his second Advent, that is not excited for the second Advent, that has no anticipation for the second Advent, Lord, today I pray that you would draw them to yourself that they would get on their knees and get on their face before the Lord and confess that they are sinners on their way to hell and ask the Lord to save them. And Father, I thank you so much for the message you gave us today. Lord, thank you for all of those that are listening, all of those that will be playing and downloading later. Lord, I pray that you would let this message be a special message for them and then they would be saved. And we will thank you for it, and I will bless you for it. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, all right, folks, that'll do it for our Palm Sunday, Sermon Sunday broadcast. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It's always a blessing to spend Sunday afternoon with you. Why don't you head over to sortofthespiritpodcast.com and head over to the web form and send us over a message. Or look for that support this podcast button. And if you could help us out with a monthly recurring contribution or a one-time contribution, that would be great. But until we see you, Lord willing, on Thursday, win the loss no matter the cost. God bless you. Take care.